You know when the clock strikes 12, that Midnight Mania Sports hosted by Austin Takuda and George Hathaway starts right now. And let's just start right with the all-star reserve selections that were just announced recently. And I know you have a lot to that you want to discuss, George, um, with Brandon Ingram being your biggest snub. But before we get there, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics have both been named to the all-star game. So Celtics fans have to be happy with that. But George, Brandon Ingram, is he the biggest snub uh, not being named to the all-star team? I believe so. I thought Brandon Ingram has had a great season all year long. And, you know, going from most improved player last year and to this year playing really well. I mean, look what he did on Sunday against the Celtics. He outperformed pretty much everybody on the Celtics by himself. 33 points, 9 rebounds. And just looking at how he's played and progressed throughout the season, he's hit some of the biggest shots for the Pelicans all year long. I mean, I'm happy Zion made it. Uh, the first player in, the, like, this millennium uh, from 2000. Uh, to be named an NBA All-Star. So I think that uh, is great for Zion, but I do believe Brennan Ingram was robbed. He should have been on that team regardless. Uh, I, I don't know who I'd take off that list right uh, right now, but I got to go. I mean, does Chris Paul really deserve to be an All-Star this year? I know that's probably going to get a lot of hate. I don't know if a lot of people are going to agree with me on this, but I think Ingram deserved it over CP3. Chris Paul this season averaging 16.6 points, 8.5 assists, and 4.5 rebounds. Now, Ingram might have better statistical stats, but CP3 has brought that Suns team uh, to a different level than they have been in years past now, 20-10 and 10 on the year. Um, so I think you have to look at it that way, too. The wins and losses, the Pelicans at 13-17, and 17, and CP3 elevating the Suns to 20-10. and 10. And I think it also has to do with you know CP3 being a veteran, a guy that's well-respected in the NBA and who gets a lot of the coaches and players' votes uh, being a part of the uh, NBA Players Association as well. So I think he's going to get a lot of votes regardless, even if they're some political votes. Um, but but Ingram, though, has had a good season statistically. We can't ignore that. Um, but I think his defense, too, uh, has kind of hampered him a bit because he doesn't play great defense. He's a decent passer, right? And he's an all right rebounder. He doesn't get as many rebounds, I think, because Zion's down there and Steven Adams. So there's less for him to grab up. But overall, I do agree that it is a, it is a snub. And if Anthony Davis isn't going to play, which is expected, maybe Ingram will be his replacement. He'd have to be probably my top pick. I'd have to agree. I mean, I've heard some things about Devin Booker also getting in on there instead. But another uh, you know, player who I believe was Rob was Zach Levine. He didn't make the All-Star for the East, and I believe it's a lot easier to make the All-Star in the East than versus the West. Oh, Zach Levine did make it as a reserve for the East. He did. So the East was Harden, Randall, Tatum, Brown, Levine, Simmons, and Vucevic. So Levine did end up making it. B.I. would have made it on the East easily. Over who would you have put him over on the East? Simmons. Now that's an interesting one because Simmons has similar stats as CP3, who also beat Ingram out. Now, if you look at Ben Simmons on the year, he's helped the Sixers to a 20-11 and 11 record. Um, and he's also a better defender than B.I. He's averaging 15.7 points, 8.3 rebounds, 7.9 assists. So, overall, he's averages more assists, more rebounds. He's on a winning team. He also has the MVP on his team, pretty much. Joel he does, Andrew. he does. But it's not like Brandon Ingram has... He does MVP. have another all-star. He has Zion, who's... Another all-star. I think he won MVP before Tatum. You think Zion will before Tatum? 
that's interesting because you have to look at it the way like the last couple of years have gone where they've gone with guys who do three things really well. Like Giannis can pass, he can rebound, and he obviously scores about 30 points a game. The last two seasons, you had Russell Westbrook a couple of years ago um, with that dominant triple-double campaign. Uh, when Steph Curry won, obviously he was a ter- terrific scorer, good passer. Um, the thing that might hamper Zion is he's not a great defender yet, and he doesn't shoot a ton of threes, so it's not really – the appeal's not there, right? He's, he's not – He can't shoot threes. Right, but he's not the he's not the cool all, the cool MVP for the league, right? He's not like the, the – well, even Giannis isn't really, but Giannis still scored like 32 a game. Giannis so, and Zion are very similar, though. They, they don't shoot jump in shots. A way, right. They don't shoot outside the paint at but all. But unless Zion's going to average 32 to separate himself from a guy like Tatum, who might average 29, but also pass the ball better and make these fancy highlight threes that a lot of people like. You also have to think about it, though. Who's the most valuable player for their team? Well, like, you, typically, you could argue like Tatum would be more valuable because the Celtics have a winning record. But this year, they're 500 now. They're 15 and 15. The Pelicans are 13 and 17. But it's an interesting argument because it's the if you take that guy off their team, where are they, right? Mm-hmm. So if you take Zion off the Pelicans, odds are they're probably six and you know right 20 somewhere down there. And same thing with the Celtics. I don't know that if you take Tatum off, they're as bad. We saw a few games where he was out with COVID, and they played okay. They actually won a couple of them, but um, he's an all-star, and Zion's an all-star for a reason. But I think if you take Tatum and Zion and flopped them and switched teams, I, I honestly think the Celtics might be a little bit better than they are right now. I mean, look at what the Celtics need. If you had Zion on the Celtics, they need a big man. That's why I think they should go for Marcus Cousins, and I think we'll get into that later in the show, but the Celtics need a big man, especially a big man that's very athletic. You look at a guy like Tristan Thompson. I mean, he's not going to be that guy who can take you from the three-point line all the way down to the basket. He's not going to do a 1v1 ISO on a smaller guard like we've seen Zion do this year. I mean, I know there's a few plays where uh, this season where the smaller guard was guarding Zion, and it was just bully basketball. It was just too easy for Zion. So I think somebody like that would really help out the Celtics in a way, and Jason Tatum, if he went to the Pelicans, he's he plays a very similar play style like Brandon Ingram. Right. I don't think you'd see too much of an improvement by the Pelicans. I think they'd probably be maybe one or two games better, but you're having pretty much two Jason Tatums or two Brandon Ingrams on one team. Now, how is that going to work? How are they going to share the ball? And I think that would be the biggest question for the Pelicans if that were to happen. Now, something you said, let's jump into that, which is interesting. DeMarcus Cousins was released this week by the Houston Rockets, so he's now a free agent. Um, the Celtics do need a big man, but Cousins was effective but not outstanding with his time with the Rockets. Nine points a game, seven rebounds, two assists. Um, a guy who can give you a veteran off the bench that is tough at least, right? He's It might not, you know get you 15 rebounds a night like you would really need from like an Andre Drummond who also is available. But he could be that veteran bruiser that the Celtics lack. Now, is he that much better than Tristan Thompson? I don't know that he is. Uh, yes. Obviously, yes. <laughs> In their primes, Cousins had that year when he was averaging 24, 10, and 6 and, you know, dominating most of the teams. But I don't know if Cousins really puts them over the top, unfortunately. I really would think that there's, there's guys out there like Andre Drummond's going to be traded, Blake Griffin's going to be traded. Now, I think Andre Drummond's a much better option than Griffin, too. But still, I think I wouldn't mind to see Cousins. You know, if, but they'd have to get rid of Thompson. I don't I don't see any world where they're going to have Thompson, Cousins, Tice, and Rob Williams all getting in it. Get rid of one of them. 
So uh, I have beef with uh, Rob Williams right now. Well, because he absolutely embarrasses Zion. He had which, a block, <laughs> block of the season so far. That's the highlight of his career. So He's going to go down and be like, hey, kids, I've blocked Zion Williamson. I mean, it's just like, I mean, all right, I watched the block. It was okay. It was a decent one. I mean, I've seen better from Zion uh, any day of the week. But I, I believe, I, in Austin, I know you're going to disagree with me on this. Nine times out of ten, he will not do that again. Well, I don't think that's fair to say because he did it. So he did it. Like it was, it was a play. He played great defense on it. If Zion takes him like that, it happens. So it's ten out of ten because it happened the one time. It's not like Zion dunked on him right after. I mean, wait. I mean, I wouldn't be too surprised if that would have happened. I mean, it depends. If you if if Rob can do that, he had four blocks in the game. He had thirteen rebounds. I think he's developing as a really low post kind of guy, but. Yeah, obviously Zion dominates most people down there, so I wouldn't say it's guaranteed either way, but I think Rob showed that he can stop him with that play. I mean, Zion's not going to bully Rob Williams. I would not mind watching these two teams when they're both healthy and at the top of their game. Like If we see this in five years from now, um, I'll give it five years max, an NBA Finals between the Pelicans and Celtics, I would watch seven games of that if it were to go that far because you know, watching those two playing overtime, how back and forth it was. Like, I was on the edge of my seat watching. I was like, the Pelicans better not blow this. I mean, the Celtics, they blew. No thanks to Kemba Walker. Oh, horrible. He, he shot terrible. And he was uh, that extra help for the Pelicans. Um, really, Kemba Walker played terrible. And, and Austin, my question to you as a Celtics fan, Kemba Walker, what, I mean, he's been struggling lately. What are you going to have to do about him? Well, you know, you hold out hope that he kind of gets 100% healthy. And, you know, you see a lot of people keep making excuses for him. Like, oh, he's, you know, um, still healing up from the knee injury. You know, there's a reason he's not playing back-to-backs. But at some point, you can't come out and shoot, you know, 4 for 20, 7 for, you know, 25. Or these, these numbers that Kemba is shooting on a nightly basis and expect to win games. I mean, in that game against the Pelicans, he was 5 for 21 and 1 for 12 from deep. And they lost by 5. If he could have just gone three for twelve from deep, which is still pretty atrocious, then they would have won the game. I, I just I don't think you can keep making excuses for Kemba's poor play at this point. It's he's an older point guard, and he's had knee injuries. He's been banged up. I don't think you can keep making excuses for him. And I think it's best if you can find a trade where you get somebody back for Kemba. I think it's best that you take that option because I I just don't see it with Kemba Walker. I don't see the consistency. He has his explosive nights, but I just don't see that he's consistently explosive anymore. I don't think so either. And honestly, looking at it, Terry Rozier, if you look at that and how, you know, they swapped, right? And, you know, Kemba coming from the Hornets, it was just, it's a whole, you know, different side. Mm-hmm. Of Terry Rozier we've never seen before uh, that we did with the Celtics. And, I'm very excited for Terry Rozier, but the Celtics, I mean, you can't predict these things of who's going to have good years once they leave. And Gordon Hayward, who would have ever thought he would have had uh, a year he's having this year with the Celtics or with the Hornets. But it's, I don't know. The Celtics this year, they're struggling. They just need to find some pieces. I mean, this is practically the same team from last year. Just, you know, you have Peyton Pritchard, you have Naismith on the team who, Two great additions for rookies, uh, and then Tristan Thompson's well in the offseason. But, I mean, I thought this team got better yeah. in the offseason, and it's not looking good right now for them. 
No, I mean, on paper, you, you look it up position by position. They lost Hayward, but added, like you said, you know, Thompson, Teague, and Pritchard. It was supposed to be, okay, these three pieces can come together, and, you know, Jalen and Jason are going to get better, but they haven't gelled in any way, shape, or form to make Celtics fans believe that this is a contender. Um, one interesting thing, too, is the Rozier situation. I mean, he's having his best year of his career, but I don't know that if you kept Rozier in Boston, he would be doing this because I think with Tatum and Brown, he wouldn't get the opportunity mm-hmm. he does. Now, yes, Kemba is shooting 21 times a game still, but I think Rozier is a different player. So, I, I mean, I'm not too upset that they let him go, you know, in a, in a Kemba deal. I do wish that they would have made the move a couple of years ago to trade Rozier for something when they had the opportunity when rather than just doing a sign-in trade. You know, you could have had something to help your playoff run a couple of years back rather than Rozier uh, with Kyrie Irving. It just didn't make sense. But, um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because you look at these guys that leave and all of a sudden Hayward's almost an all-star and, you know, Rozier's having the best year of his career and you're stuck with Kemba playing pretty bad and, you know, a rotation of big men and he can't really seem to find a fit. And then also you lack wing depth as well. You have Javante Green getting minutes when he shouldn't. Grant Williams playing extra time when he shouldn't, and it's just been a mess of the year. I mean, they're 15 and 15, and they're lucky that they're still 500. Yeah, and both teams that made the Eastern Conference are our Eastern Conference Finals are both under five 500 or under. I mean, the Heat aren't playing well this year either. Uh, the Nets they are totally dominating the NBA in the Eastern Conference, along with the Sixers too. I mean, those are a few of the teams that are above 500 in the East, and then. Other than that, there's not a lot of teams you can name in the East that I believe can really make it out and play at a very high competitive level against some Western Conference teams that are tough. Because look at the uh, Phoenix Suns. They're fourth right now in the West, but they would be first in the East and have the best record. Right. The East is, you know, the East has a lot of teams that are more even than the West. And the West, with the Jazz, is blowing everybody away. Nobody expected that. I never did. I had said before the year that my dark horse to make the NBA Finals was the Suns. Um, and that 20-10, and 10, you know, they're looking good. I mean, probably not a Finals team just yet, but still very competitive team. But did you have any you know, thought ever that the Jazz would be this good at this point? I don't think anyone I saw think that. So because I, I like Donovan Mitchell. He's a great player. I'm not going to put that against him. But, you know, it's these two guys. Like, it's literally Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert mm. that for the Jazz are really playing well. Uh, and I'm not a huge fan of Rudy Gobert. And that's why I was like, you know, how is he really having a good year? I never thought he would, to be honest. He's a great defensive player, but offensively, I never thought he would play at such a high level. And I was was really thinking that the Lakers were still going to be first, but they've been struggling uh, lately, and they have not played well. I I believe they lost uh, last night again and then they lost the nets and everything like that so the lakers aren't playing well the jazz are the clippers are as well i mean a lot of teams that i thought weren't going to be good at the beginning of the season are except for the nuggets and the nuggets are still somewhere in that middle and are playing decent but still i the jazz really surprised me yeah the jazz are a team that figured out how to put complimentary pieces around their stars, Mitchell and Gobert, and they made it work without getting too fancy. Now, you have Kemba Walker, who's better than Mike Conley, really, but Mike Conley's gelling better with that team, and they have Bogdanovich, they have Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, a bunch of different guys that are playing so well around their two stars 
that the ball gets moved and they rarely lose. It's incredible. And you got to think that at some point, Danny Ainge has to take some accountability or Celtics, you know, fans and front office have to kind of hold them accountable and say, listen, it's been last time you won a championship was 2008. That's 13 years ago. And even before then, he didn't have great success. Um, or even around that time, you know, it, it took them not getting the first overall pick for Danny Ainge to say, okay, we're going to just tear it up. We're going to go get KG and Ray Allen. And then, you know, pair him with Pierce and win a championship. So I think you had the one, but it's still, it's been 13 years, you know, since you, you won a championship. So at some point it's like, you know, your, your window has already been open. You know, you had an all-star point guard here in Kyrie Irving who left, left. and, you know, you can't really blame it on Danny Ainge necessarily. I don't think he wanted yeah. to be here. Yeah, Hayward left and they're all star. You managed to have Horford here for three years and that didn't turn into anything at all. And I think he's, you know, he squandered a lot of trade opportunities, held on to assets too long. So I think at some point, you know, one or two years from now, there could be a change if this is what's going to continue because you have two guys under the age of 25 that are all stars. And that doesn't happen that often. Not many teams have two all stars under the age of 25. And if you can't capitalize on that and make a playoff team that can get to the finals and, you know, compete. Obviously, you went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and it wasn't that competitive. You know, it was competitive, but it was six games, right? I mean, 4-2, I believe, the Heat uh, beat the Celtics. I mean, you, you think you should be winning these series. You should be going to the NBA Finals with this team, and you can't be sitting at 15-15 and 15 this year. It's a disappointment, and Danny and Chasta, I think, have be held accountable within the next year or two. And I think the best thing Danny Ainge has done for the Celtics the last, you know, five, six years was that trade uh, to Brooklyn. When, when he sent over Pierce and KG to Brooklyn, that's when they acquired, acquired all these draft picks. And the reason why the Celtics ended up getting Jason Tatum was because of that. And he hasn't built around his star player yet. And... Yeah, you locked Jason Tatum in for a max contract, long-term deal. But if you aren't going to build around him, like a lot of these other teams have with their, you know, super max players, I don't know how much longer Jason Tatum would want to be on the Celtics if they don't have their success and if they aren't building around him. Because, honestly, the, the best big man the Celtics have had, I think, was Al Horford. I think he was probably one of the better big man players that they had and then you left and I don't know I just think that Jason Tatum is should be a little frustrated with Danny Ainge that he isn't getting the players he wants around him I mean I know money is pretty much a big issue for the Celtics right now making sure that they can acquire some other star potential players but you're going to have to put a point guard or a center around Jason Tatum to give him the ball and make sure he can, you know, have a second or third option to go to because look at what the Pelicans did. They they knew their game plan was going to be centered around Tatum or Brown. You know, you're going to have to have that third option. It wasn't Kemba Walker. certainly mm-hmm. was not. And I think this entire season, Kemba has not been the third option. It was Peyton Pritchard who was playing really well. And... I don't know. The Celtics just need to figure a lot of things out, and so does Danny Ainge. I believe you're right. He is held accountable for, you know, the failures that Celtics have. But Brad Stevens, can't you put a little bit of blame on him as well, the coaching style that he has? Right. I think that, I mean, you can't blow a 24-point lead in a game. 
Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. I don't know why he can't make adjustments to stop that. But I just don't. I just will never understand how a twenty-four point lead in the third quarter can get blown. I understand if you're up by twelve at one point and they get hot, or if you're up by even fifteen. But twenty-four points is some teams don't score twenty-four points in a quarter. <laughs> so for you to now squander a twenty-four point lead is just incredible to me. And how can he let that happen? Right? You have to think that there's been so many games this year where leads have been blown. Um, where the Celtics fall apart, and he doesn't make adjustments. He just watches it happen. And I think that I, I don't know if you know what Brad can do because he's got to play. He has these guys, right? He has you know Tice and Thompson, and they're not really adequate big men, obviously against Embiid and Adebayo and like Zion too. They they struggled with the you know the second half of the game. Um, so Danny Ainge didn't really help him out in that aspect. He didn't give him a good backup point guard. Peyton Pritchard's done okay, but people got very excited because he had two or three really good games. But he's been putting up like four points now in the last few. So you, there's a lot of holes in this team. And Brad Stevens is doing, I think, okay with what he has. But I think Brad Stevens could be doing better with the team he has. Now, you look at the Miami Heat situation, they went to the NBA Finals, and they're 14-17. and 17. And there's not a ton of blame being put on Spolstra or Pat Riley necessarily, a little bit on Pat Riley for not bringing back Jay Crowder and then yeah. re-signing Myers Leonard and keeping Olenek. But still, you got to look at it like Butler was out for COVID. Jason Tatum was out for COVID for a little bit. Very similar uh, situations right. the teams were. The Heat are missing Goran Dragic. The Celtics missed Kemba Walker for a little while. So both of those teams are you know, in a, sim- in a similar situation, but the Celtics aren't in a – tougher spot with more pressure because the Heat had those championships with LeBron. They made it to the finals last year when they weren't expected to. So if you're a team like the Celtics and you, you see that happen with Miami, the pressure is going to be on because you should have made the finals over Miami. Uh, and you you know you haven't had that championship since 08, um, and then the Heat had a couple of LeBron. So now the pressure is on. You have teams that aren't as good as you going right by you. you know, on, on paper, you're better than the Heat probably last year as well. But Something's got to give at some point. And, you know, the Mavs play the Celtics tonight uh, at 7. And, you know, a name I've been hearing thrown around a lot in trade rumors is Christoph Porzingis. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you be – he's not playing tonight. If you're the Celtics, you're Danny Ainge, are you pulling the trigger on that and trying to acquire Christoph Porzingis? I don't know. I mean, he had a knee injury last year. He's – not a big, big man, right? He's tall, yes, but he's not, you know, a guy who's going to back you down and dunk on you. He can shoot threes, which is the offense the Celtics play. So mm-hmm. if you're going to commit to that offense where it's just three and D and you want to get Porzingis, then yeah, but I don't know what they could give up to get him. You know, the, the trade exception would have to be in there, which is fine. That helps with the money. But then I don't know what players or assets would get them Porzingis. I guess it depends on what the Mavericks want to do. But, you know, if they trade smart and heist or something. I don't really know what the, his trade value is, but I wouldn't be opposed to it um, because I think he fits the offense if you're going to go in that direction. I just think they have to decide what they're going to do because right now you have Thompson, who's a you know a traditional big man. You have Tice, who can't play low post defense, but can shoot threes okay. So if you bring Porzingis in, he's not the best defender down low. He can't really dunk on guys, but he can shoot and he spreads the floor. So I think you just got to decide what kind of team you are. Um, are you against Porzingis being traded to the Celtics if you, if you were a Celtics fan, seeing that you're a Pelicans fan? Okay. Um, I wouldn't be opposed. I think it would give him a greater opportunity 
uh, to make it further into the playoffs and I, if they even make the playoffs at this point, 500. But I think if you know Porzingis can add a little bit of height to this team, I think that's important rebounding wise. Um, I don't think they give up Thompson. I mean, just pretty much you just got Thompson this offseason. Why would you give him up? That would just be really a weird move. But I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Tice gone. I like that idea, Marcus Smart, because both similar uh, – I wouldn't say similar defenders, but they play, both play really good defense. So I think that, like, ability side of it, I mean, it would be kind of fair. And then you probably have to give a draft pick because, I mean, with the Knicks – and the Mavs, when that deal happened, that was a very big deal with draft picks, who was going where. And, I mean, I believe the Knicks won that trade because if you look at it, I mean, the Knicks are playing really well this year. But both teams, Mavs and Celtics, are struggling right now. And you have to look at it and say, like, the Mavs, they don't want Porzingis in I think they will do pretty much anything to get rid of him because they've been so discreet about it. This news only broke like today, uh, late last night, was that they were quietly looking at deals to see his trade value. Mm-hmm. And if you're Porzingis, I would be kind of, I feel betrayed by the uh, Mavs, especially going behind his back and doing it. I don't know if he had any part in it, but still, I would be like, okay, this team doesn't want me now. And I think they can get low value for him considering he's not who he was when he was on the Knicks in his early part of the Mavs. Yeah, that's interesting because I don't know, you know, what his thoughts are. I don't know his trade value. It's hard to speculate that because I don't think he was really mentioned in trade rumors up until this point, like you said. Um, but if you're Porzingis, I mean, I think a lot of teams shop around their second and third options, off, you know, often to see what they can get. You know, I'm sure Danny is done it with Kemba Walker to see if there's a deal out there, somebody really wants them, I'm sure. It would be a good good deal. No, but I'm sure that they look and they, they hear whispers. But if you're, you know, if you're the Mavericks and you're not right now playing where you would like to be, you got to see if you can get something for Porzingis that will help build around Luka because Luka's the star. He's the generational talent. He's the guy who will win MVPs. Um, so how do you build around him? And if it's not Porzingis, then, you know, what can you do to help Luka win, help him you know, have a good career and make the playoffs this year. But I, I just think they don't have enough on the team anyway. Even if you get rid of Porzingis, it's really it's Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Richardson, Porzingis, and Maxi Kleber on your lineup with Luca. And I'm sure he makes those guys even better than they are. Um, but I, Hardaway's probably the only other decent player. He's a role player. Right. He's a, he, he really should be coming off the bench. And he's not a bad shooter, but he's not Clay Thompson. Like, like no. Clay was to Curry, it's not hard away to Luca. It's he is a, there's a big difference in skill, which is interesting. But if I wouldn't be opposed to Porzingis in Boston, and a, a couple of the guys we talked about it, I believe last week, Blake Griffin. There hasn't been really any updates with Blake or Andre Drummond recently. Um, they're both just sitting out, so they're getting paid to sit on the bench until they decide to trade him. I love it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would have thought it's something I'd rather have Andre Drummond over Blake Griffin. I mean, we have not seen Blake Griffin dunk a ball. For two years now. I mean, clearly he is not the same player he was uh, years ago. And, I mean, he's probably one of the best dunkers we've seen, uh, at least in our lifetime, at least. I mean, Vince Carter. But then Blake Griffin had some amazing dunks when he was with the Clippers. And it's taken a wear on his knees. And 
I think that's why he's not really playing that high, and I don't think his trade value is that high either. At this point, if you're Blake Griffin, I think it would be you know time to consider like retirement. If if no team really wants you at this point for at least like something good, uh, he might be end up sitting out for the rest of the year and possibly retiring the offseason. Andre Drummond, you have to save his career, I believe, in Cleveland. You have to get him out of there. Even though the Cavs, I thought, were a decent team this year. I think Colin Sexton was playing really well. Um, Andre Drummond helped him out too. So I think, you know, if you take Drummond off that team, the, the Cavs aren't going to be the same. So mm-hmm. that trade value is going to be significant. I believe. If you're the Cavs, you're like, okay, well, we're going to give you one of our star players. Now, what are you going to give in return? If the Celtics... You know, Daniel Tice, I think, would be in that mix. Uh, they're going to need a big man, so I wouldn't be surprised if Williams goes. Well, the thing is they have Jared Allen now, and they want him to be the building block at the center position, so I don't know what they're going to – but they also don't really need guards because they have Sexton, Okoro, and Garland, so it could be a wing, but we don't really have a wing to give them that would make that happen. So, I mean, we don't also need to keep four centers. So, like you said, Tice could be a guy who goes just to make it work, but – Drummond, when he was traded from the Pistons to the Cavs, only was traded for a second-round pick. I don't think, I don't know if his, his value had to have increased since then. Um, but last time he was traded, he was only worth a second rounder. So you got to think of the Celtics can give him, you know, Tyson, you know, Tremont Waters, or one of these young guys who rides the bench in a draft pick. You, you could probably land him if you can make the money work. I just don't know if that's the direction they want to go in, because like, like I said, Thompson hasn't worked out as that traditional big man. Obviously I think Drummond's much better, but they're already struggling to get open looks and move the ball. I don't know if Drummond moves the ball any better. It'll be interesting to see how like this off season or this trade uh, season is going to work in the NBA, just because everything's so, everybody's all over the place right now, what they want and the identity for a lot of these teams has changed. I think injuries have been huge throughout the NBA. Uh, and just looking at it all, how the league has changed the last few years. I mean, especially with like COVID-19 and everything like that going around, you can see how it's affected the Celtics and the Heat and you know other teams around the league to the point where it's a lot of these teams' identities changed and a lot of players need to step up. And so you can see a lot of more role players becoming stars, I believe, in the next few years. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how things go the rest of the way for the Celtics and your Pelicans. But Celtics play tonight at 7.30 against the Mavericks. So tip off any moment now should be a good contest. Do we think the Celtics can win this one? They're coming off that loss to New Orleans. And it's, you know, like I tweeted earlier, it's one of those games where it's how will they respond? How will they come back from that loss, but they keep having these games where it's how will they come back, how will they respond they don't respond well. I think I'll stick with the Celtics tonight, but I don't think it's a pretty win. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Celtics as well, but the big thing is, is how fired up are they after a loss? Mm-hmm. Blowing 24 points to the Pelicans. I mean, granted, I love my New Orleans Pelicans, but I mean, you cannot do that. I mean, this team's really bad this year. So, this you have to bounce back and you have to fight hard. You got to prove to the East, to Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge, like this is our team that's going to win a championship. And it's very important. And if they don't come up with a win, it's just going to prove that the Celtics really aren't contenders. Mm -hmm. 
I think this is a very important game for them. Well, they should win it, um, but I don't know if they will. It should be a good game to monitor, see how they can gel after the horrible shooting performance last game. But moving over to the NHL for a minute, George, the Boston Bruins had that Lake Tahoe game against the Philadelphia Flyers, one of two NHL games out in Lake Tahoe and on the California-Nevada border. And, well, the first one, the Avalanche played, and they were set to go, I believe, in the afternoon, but the sun was melting the air, so they had to push it back to midnight. It was a very cool setting, but it was really disappointing. And the Bruins came on uh, the next night at 7 o'clock, a little bit of delay again to the sun, because uh, the NHL realized that, you know, the sun will melt your ice, so... It's crazy. Yeah. I can't believe they didn't plan for it. But you know, the Bruins played well. They won 7-3 against the Flyers. Pasternak looked good again, a couple goals. And the Bruins are a one of the best teams in the NHL right now, continuing to play well. And this is a team who I think can go back to the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, last postseason they had that, you know, halted when Tuka Rass left to a family emergency. But I think this is the year the Bruins make it back to the Stanley Cup. They have the team for it. This certainly is. I mean, Pashanak, he had a hat trick, three goals uh, on four shots on goal, too. So he's three, four, not bad. So I thought the Bruins played really well together, you know, out under the stars in Lake Tahoe. And they played a Philadelphia team that isn't the best. They're eight, four, and three. Mm-hmm. But the Bruins really just proved out to the rest of the NHL that they're still fight. probably one of the best teams right now in Boston sports. Uh, if the Celtics were any good, I think it would be the Celtics. But right now, the Bruins are really playing great hockey. They're playing well together. And that's the reason why they're 11-3-2. and two. But, Austin, do you see those jerseys they had on, though? Those are pretty cool. I, I like the Bruins jersey. Yeah, the throwbacks. I like, what are they, like a lime, mustard, orange color? Yeah, or mustard, yeah mustard yellow kind of. Those are nice. They have a couple. The Bruins have some of the better uniforms in the league, I think. Well, they've been around a while. so, But, but they do have... Um, some of the better uniforms from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say they have – I would rock probably one of these yellow ones. I don't know if I'd get like a regular – it's like a black or white one that the Bruins wear. <laughs> these these yellow ones were nice just because they're different. And I don't know. I don't have any hockey jerseys, but I think that I'd get one of those. Definitely something to consider. And uh, moving over to the NFL for a moment, George, we have – the offseason continuing to roll on. Not a ton of NFL news, but more rumors, and specifically the Patriots. Uh, I guess there was a couple of reports today that the Patriots are calling about multiple veteran quarterbacks and, I guess, doing their due diligence to see who's available. So do we have you know, any update in our predictions or any thoughts now that the Patriots could not draft a quarterback with their, with their uh, first-round pick and rather than trade for one, you know, a, a Sam Darnold or a Jimmy Garoppolo or even Deshaun Watson? See, I saw Sam Darnold's name floating around um, going to New England for, like, a trade. I don't want it. You're not a fan of Sam Darnold? I'm not. Like, he's a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but does he fit in this Patriots system? And I don't think he does. I'd rather take Fitzpatrick over uh, Sam Darnold because I know the Jets are going to want something uh, for him. And I think Fitzpatrick can play really well the Patriots rather than Sam Darnold. I mean, it would be interesting, but would I want him going to another AFC East team? I don't know. I, I just think it'd feel weird to see him in a Patriots uniform. I mean, my dream would be have just Deshaun Watson. On the I mean, that's just, I think, every Patriots fan's uh, dream yeah. is to have a great quarterback like him. But if we can draft somebody, I think that'd be good. But I don't know where their priorities are right now. 
right. tax wise. Uh, I know I heard like some things. Bill Belichick's been active and calling people about trades, but I haven't seen anything else that's happening. So yeah. I don't know if those trades are falling through or not, but I don't know. I I want Watson over uh, Sam Donald, but if if we could get Sam Donald, I wouldn't be upset about it. Yeah, I think Watson's obviously the number one option, right? He's the guy that you want. He's the guy that everybody wants because he's a Pro Bowl quarterback who puts up eye-popping stats. Now, I think Darnold is an interesting one because Sam Darnold's a guy who hasn't really had a fair shake in New York. You look at the team around him, he's had an abysmal coaching staff with Adam Gase. He's had a horrible offensive line besides Mekhi Beckton, who they just drafted. Uh, The running backs have been horrible. I mean, Frank Gore... Is like 37 years old. No, no, no disrespect to Frank Gore, but he's can't be a franchise running back at this point. And even in years past, they had Le'Veon Bell, and they cut him because it didn't work out. They just haven't been able to put together a winning team. And I don't think Darnold really had a fair shake at it. So I think if they trade Darnold to the Patriots, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But it wouldn't be something where I'd give up the 15th pick for him or you know next year's first round pick. I, I think it would have to be a two or a three. If you look at Carson Wentz, his was a two and a three for the Colts to get Wentz. You know, the second round, it could turn into a first. You know, it's conditional. But I just can't see the Patriots spending a first-round pick on Darnold because he's not as proven. I mean, even Wentz is more proven than Darnold, I think. And Wentz didn't really, you know, net a first-round pick. So I would think the Patriots, I would go for Darnold, but at a second or third-round pick price. Yeah, I wouldn't spend too many picks on him. I mean, considering, you know, how he's played. Granted, you're right, he hasn't had a good team, but still, I think that adds into the trade value of him is not, you know, that high. Uh, I, there's another name I wouldn't be opposed to for the Patriots. Uh, like, Sam Darnold's one of them, and Jimmy G, we have mentioned him, but I don't know, if, would you want him to come back? I don't know. Jimmy G's a guy who, you know, wasn't impressive with the 49ers. He wasn't any more impressive than Darnold was with the Jets. Um, but I also think that in the system that the Patriots have, I think Garoppolo could be successful. And that's if he's healthy. You know, he did bring them to the Super Bowl, although there was a solid defense, you know, that led the way two years ago. I think it does take a decent quarterback to get to the Super Bowl. But I just don't know if Garoppolo would be my number one option. I really would think I'd rather probably get Darnold and then I honestly would probably draft somebody at 15 if they fall. Now, we don't really know. There's, there's so many quarterbacks this year and so many possibilities that the Patriots might not get the guy they want with their pick. Um, but if they don't get a quarterback, I'm not opposed to trading their second or third round pick to get Garoppolo. I wouldn't be opposed. It, I just feel like it would be weird to trade him away. And then you're just like, oh, by the way, we want you back. We miss you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's like going back to your ex. You know, that's pretty much what the Patriots are doing here. If they get, if they trade back for Jimmy G. And I just feel that, you know, maybe with that knee injury he had this year, how is he going to bounce back from it? Uh, he played great while he was here. Don't get me wrong. And then, you know, he signed that huge deal with the 49ers and it led him to the Super Bowl. But in a year after, he got hurt. So what's going to happen next? His future is uncertain on how he's going to play the same level. Uh, and with, especially with a knee injury like he had, I believe that was an ACL, right? Yeah, I, I don't know what exactly what it was, but it was a knee injury that was decently significant. Yeah, so, I mean, Brady came back from an ACL injury, but I mean, it's Tom Brady, this dude, you know, you right. can't break him. 
So if it is a big knee injury, it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to come back from it because not many people can. Uh, and that's so important for a mobile quarterback like uh, Garoppolo. You can run, stay in the pocket as well, but bounce around. It's going to be kind of different to see him play on like a new knee pretty much. Mm-hmm. Well, moving away from NFL, the final couple minutes here on Midnight Mania Sports, George, spring training has started for the MLB, and the first spring training games are five days away. I saw an interesting video this week of the Pittsburgh Pirates doing some training on a tire. Did you see that? I don't know what they were doing. I thought they were doing CrossFit. Yeah, I don't know what it teaches. Now, Jeff Fry, former Red Sox player who we had on the show, uh, he didn't think it was any use. He was tweeting about it as well. And I don't understand it either. So if you hadn't seen the video, if you're listening, uh, the Pirates had a, a pitching machine out you know, in the infield and had all the players in center field, and they'd stand on a tire and, like, jump off the tire to catch a fly ball or, like, balance themselves and try to catch it at the same time. Um, I'm not sure at any point when, during a game, these outfielders are going to be standing on a tire to catch a, a pop-up by Chris Bryant. I'm not I'm not sure that will ever happen. What's doing this year? I don't know what it teaches. They must have a lot of earthquakes and the ground must shake and they need to keep the balance. It doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, I don't know what it teaches, but I, I figured you'd enjoy it since that's your kind, your team. Uh, I'm looking for a new team. You said I'm in the market. Um, I, I don't know. I, I was, I'm no baseball expert. I'm not no trainer mm-hmm. or anything like that. I don't know who they have training over there with tires. Um, if I see more MLB teams doing it, maybe we can say there's some significance for it. But, I mean, jumping on and off a tire to catch a ball, maybe they're trying to get – uh, you know, some leg strength to be able to jump over the fence and maybe rob a home run once in a while because that would be fun to that see. Would probably help. The pitching staff's going to be giving up a lot of them. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, they're going to need all that possible because <laughs> the Pirates are just going to get scored on so much this season. But I have no idea what it's for. If somebody knows out there listening what a tire in the middle of center field is going to do for outfielders please let us know because i'm very interested i know austin is too. yeah i'm mind bothered i have no idea as to what that could do and there's still a couple free agents still hanging out there in the mlb offseason we shinshu chu just signed back with korea so he will not be on an mlb team this season edwin Encarnacion remains a free agent a guy who is a pretty good power hitter doesn't offer you much else besides the dh position but in spring there are injuries that occur so you got to think that if somebody gets injured, you know, one of the DHs in the AL or even a first baseman that Encarnacion could get a call and sign relatively quickly. Uh, Jake Odorizzi out there as well. I'm still hanging around the MLB free agent pool, but spring training games start in five days. So I'm I'm excited to have baseball back. Me too. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Not especially not my team that I'm watching, but just baseball in general. Whatever new team you pick, I'm sure you'll be excited yeah, for. Get a hat and say, go team. <laughs> well, last year they only had to play 60 games, so this year should be a full season, so which will be good. For me. Yeah, and I think there was an article also written by, I believe it was Jeff Passan or Ken Rosenthal. Now, this is the year of Tatis they crowned it, so this could be the year where Fernando Tatis takes over baseball. I um, yeah, after you got that 12-year extension, you got to think that this is kind of his, his thing. Mike Trout. Yes, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts are probably the best too, but Fernando Tatis is your most marketable player, and this is going to be the year when he starts. So it's going to be a few more days when we get to see Tatis, you know, kind of crowned as the guy, which is what we've seen in the press conferences and on Twitter through the reporters so far. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be, you know, I'm not opposed to that. I think mm-hmm. Tatis Jr. is the face of baseball right now. He's the most enjoyable player to watch. One, because he's like TV worthy. He loves the media. He loves just being himself and being out there. And that's what we saw last year with the 60 games. I mean, Mike Trout, yeah, he's probably one of the best players we've seen. But is he on that team that can really go far? No. Right. Uh, and, you know, Mike Trout, he's, he's just like this big guy. And he seems intimidating. But if you see, like, Tatis is smiling, then you're like, oh, gosh, this guy is so likable. And he's really nice as a person. He, he seems it. I've never met him. Uh, and, but, you know, the way he plays, he's on MLB The Show. He's on the front cover there. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing that, by the way, on Xbox. We finally get to be able to play well, it. Well, I'm disappointed that it doesn't come out until two weeks after <laughs> the season starts, so it doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe the rosters are updating. Who knows? Because yeah. that's all of these sports teams are is just update the roster. Let's hope they fix the gameplay this year. That <laughs> Yeah, but you know, this is the guy who's the face of the uh, the MLB, and mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to watching him play in a few days. Well, one final thought before we wrap things up here on Midnight Mania Sports: There's an update on Tiger Woods, the legendary PGA Tour golfer who was in a car accident uh, today. He suffered two leg fractures and a shattered ankle, but the injuries are not expected to be life-threatening. So we hope that Tiger can make a speedy recovery. Yeah, and that was really devastating news to hear today, uh, early this afternoon, about Tiger Woods. I'm just hoping he's okay, uh, his family's okay as well, and all of us here at Midnight Mania Sports just hope you know, Tiger Woods gets better soon. Well, that will wrap things up here on Midnight Mania Sports. For George Hathaway, I'm Austin Dakuda. Make sure to check us out on Twitter, on social media, at Midmania Sports. You can follow the latest podcast updates and get all of our shows in case you miss any minutes of it. Uh, Thank you for listening and have a great night.